place, a new home for a while. Let me feel alive. Nothing to hold me back. Take my time, just enjoy the ride. A new man passing by. Life is good, best I've ever felt. Get me up, so in it. Esther and I love the book of Esther it's just so good it's so good so um yeah let's just get right into it and shout out to my grandma she's not alive anymore but her name was Esther which is super awesome okay so Shout out to Grandma Esther. Okay. She made really amazing quilts and like blankets and she was awesome. Okay, so the book of Esther. So 
first I'll do like the fact sheets of it and then I'll kind of like do like a summary of what I kind of like notes I've taken from the Bible project. Um, they do videos and so like I just kind of like summarized what they said. So yeah, I'm not that great. I can't really like, you know, you know, so thank you to the Bible project. I'm basically just going to kind of read from some of the notes I took from what they were saying about the book of Esther and um yeah it's it's good there's a lot of movies on the book of esther um well i don't know if there's a lot but there's a couple but esther's really cool okay so we're gonna do this okay all right so the summary of esther author unknown book number 17 Written 450 BC, um, covering the time period of 480 to 475 BC. Claims to fame. Um, only book in the Bible not to mention the name of God, yet the story of Esther is quite godly. Famous stories included Esther is one story about a woman of Israel who became queen in a foreign land and stopped a genocide meant to kill all Jews in the land. Most famous verses. Um, if the king regards me with favor, and if it pleases the king to grant my petition and fulfill my request, let the king and Haman come tomorrow to the banquet. I will prepare for them. Then I will answer the king's question. Esther 5.8 In every province, and in every city to which um, the edict of the king came, there was joy and gladness among the Jews, with feasting and celebrating, and many people of other nations became Jews, uh, became Jews because fear of the Jews had seized them. Esther 8.17 Okay, important points about the book. The book takes place in Susa, east of the... I don't know how to say this, Tig Tigris River, which is now part of Iraq. It is the only Bible story to take place east of what is thought to be the Garden of Eden. What? Oh, that's crazy. In chapters 1 and 2, Esther becomes queen of Susa. A man named Mordecai had adopted Esther after she was orphaned and before she became queen. Chapter 4 features Mordecai discovering a plot to have all the Jewish people in the kingdom executed. The evil plot was started by Haman. Esther was able to talk to her husband, a very strong king, out of the genocide through a combination of wits and humility and support from Mordecai. The evil Haman ended up being killed on the very devices he had designed to kill the Jewish people in chapter 7. King, oh, I don't know how to say this word, Xers, it's X-E-R-X-E-S. Literally, I don't know how to say that word. Um, okay, so King, oh, and it's Esther's husband, I should know how to say that. King Xerxes. I don't know how to say that. Esther's husband canceled the plot. And in the closing chapter 10, Mordecai was promoted 
to second in command. Okay, so the, the breakdown. So, okay, the Bible breakdown. Queen Vashti disobeys King Exerxes. I don't know how to say that. I'm going to have to play it on the app and see how they say it. I don't know. Esther is made queen. Haman plots to destroy Mordecai and the Jews. Mordecai seeks help from Queen Esther. Esther prepares a banquet. Haman rages. Mordecai honored by Exerxes. Esther exposes Haman and the plot. Exerxes, I don't know how to say it, acts on behalf of the Jews. The Jews strike back. The final tribute to Mordecai. All right, so um, now we're going to do, the Bible Project did a really, really good job of explaining this story. Um, so I'm just going to like kind of go through it really quick. Uh, um, okay. All right, hopefully this will make sense. We will see. Okay. Okay, so the story starts out, um, Mordecai adopts Esther. Esther is an orphan and Mordecai adopts her. They're both Jews. Um, so yeah, God is never mentioned. There's no author. Um, but you can see through the book, God working, even though he's not mentioned. Um, so, so this book is an invitation to look for God's activity through the book, even though he's not mentioned. Um, there's coincidences in it, in the book. And also, iron. there's also an ironic reversal of evil plots, um, against the Jews and Esther and Mordecai. Um, it's for us to see God's purpose at work, but behind the scenes. Um, so here we go. Here's how the book starts. King of Persia has two banquet feasts that last 187 days. So he does this to show his greatness and his splendor. The king requests Queen Vashti to attend the party. Um, so the king's queen Vashti, um, she, he wants her there to show off her beauty. But Vashti refuses to listen to the king or to go to the party. And so the king is furious and despises Vashti for this. And then the king makes a decree that all men should now be masters of their own homes. So then the king decides, well, um, I don't want Vashti anymore. <clears throat> Sorry about my voice. King holds a beauty pageant because he wants to find a new queen. So he throws Vashti away. I don't know what happened to Vashti, um, but she she was kind of just like not interested anyways, right? King 
holds a beauty pageant because he wants to find a new queen. Okay, so then he has this beauty pageant. Excuse me, beauty pageant. Um, and this is when Esther and Mordecai enter the story. So Esther and Mordecai, um, they hide their Jewish identity at the pageant, but Esther wins the beauty pageant. Yay. And then the king is so obsessed with Esther that he elevated Esther to be the new queen of Persia. Meanwhile, Mordecai overhears, and Mordecai, um, M Mordecai is Esther's, I guess they say uncle, but like, I don't think, you're like not blood related, but yeah, so anyways, meanwhile, Mordecai overhears two royal guards plotting to murder the king. So Mordecai informs Esther, and Esther informs the king. Mordecai gets credit for saving the king's life. So here is when Haman, he's like the evil character in the book. Um, Haman is then introduced. And Agagite, I don't know if I said that right. So, okay, an Agagite, a descendant of the ancient Canaanites, um, so the king elevates Haman to the highest position in the kingdom. Not sure why he does that, but he does. He demands everybody kneel in his presence. So Haman, you know, he's douchey, clearly. And he's like, everyone has to kneel when you see me. And Mordecai um, refuses to kneel to Haman. And so... This upsets Haman. Haman's upset about this, right? So Haman eventually finds out Mordecai's secret that he is Jewish. And so Haman is like, okay, I'm going to go run to the king and I'm going to persuade the king to make a decree to destroy not only Mordecai, but all Jewish people. Let's just kill all the Jews. And he convinces the king of this idea. And so Mordecai and the king, or not Mordecai, sorry, Haman and the king are like, yeah, let's do it. That sounds great. So they roll a dice um, to see when they will destroy all the Jewish people. Um, and so I guess it was like, I think in like 100 days or so, they were going to like kill all the Jews. Okay, so... The king and Haman throw a party to celebrate destroying the Jews. I wonder if Esther was at, I'm sure Esther was at that party too. She was probably worried. Okay, so now back to Esther and Mordecai. Since Esther and Mordecai are Jewish and they're hiding it, um, Esther and Mordecai are like, oh no, this is not good. So, this isn't good, right? But, um, so they're worried. So they're like, we have to do something. So Esther and Mordecai, not only are they scared because they're Jewish and like, uh oh, it's a secret. Um, there's all these other Jews. But since Esther and Mordecai are close with the king because, you know, Esther's the queen, you know, Mordecai, you know, is related to Esther. They, since they kind of have like, 
a little authority or in speaking to the king, even though the king doesn't know yet that they're Jewish. But it's like Esther and Mordecai are the only hope for the Jewish people to save them. So, so Esther decides to go to the king and to confess that she's actually Jewish. And she says, if she perishes, what? If she perishes, she perishes. And this is where the amazing reversal of all of Haman's evil plots. So Esther hosts the king and Haman at a first banquet. She says she has a special request to host a banquet the following day. She wants them to attend. So after the little party, Haman is drunk in the street and he sees Mordecai in the street too. And Haman is very upset, fuming and drunk. So he's angry and he orders a tall stake be built so Mordecai can be impaled upon it in the morning. So what I saw in the video is like what they do is they literally like take your body and like, you know, like when you're like at a party and like you have like hors d'oeuvres and there's like the the little toothpick and you stick it in the olive. Okay, so picture the body and picture a steak and like picture like basically they just like like a toothpick like going into your body like it's a steak. So like in the middle of your body, they just like literally throw your body like a toothpick. You get what I'm saying? Dumb, but the way I'm describing it, but you know what I mean? Okay, so Mordecai, okay, so Haman is like, yeah, Mordecai is going to be impaled in the morning on the stake. So Mordecai and the Jews, all hope seems lost, you know, no hope. But this is where, okay, so now Coincidentally, well, I don't know if that's the right word. Um, so that night, the king can't sleep. He can't sleep. He's got something on his mind. He's like, I can't sleep. I can't sleep. So he has some somebody who works for him um, read, read to him that night. Um, and the person reads to the king the royal chronicles which i think is like the news or something you know um and so as the king is listening to the royal chronicles being read to him um he just happens to hear in the chronicles um about how mordecai saved his life and the king had forgotten that mordecai had saved his life from having those two security or the royal guards kill him plot to kill him and he forgot that Mordecai had done that he was like wait a minute wait a minute Mordecai saved my life what am I doing so we had this huge revelation this this oh wow moment right and so that morning the king orders Haman to honor Mordecai through the town on a horse and to not kill him. So that's kind of funny. So he has to go on a little parade party um, throughout the town. Um, Haman does. And he has to honor Mordecai on a like on a horse or something. And also he, not only that, but 
um, Mordecai will not be killed. The next day, there is Esther's banquet. And this is when she confesses that she is Jewish. So, um, now Haman's livid. Haman is a hot mess. Haman is, um, on a spiral. So Haman, so Haman plots not, okay, yeah, so now Haman, sorry, Haman plots to kill Esther and Mordecai, um, and the Jews, right? Okay, these are notes, so, yeah. So now, the king is drunk and orders for Haman to be killed on the stake instead of Mordecai. So, Haman is executed, okay? Um, but the Jews are still in danger. So, apparently, yeah, when Esther confessed that she's Jewish, sounds like that went over okay. Um, but the Jews, yeah, they're still in danger. Esther and Mordecai come up with a plan to reverse the decree to kill the Jews. So, the king commissions Mordecai to commission a counter decree to reverse the killing of all the Jews. Now the Jews are told, and it sounds like, yeah, so that, that's good, that a, a counter decree, okay? But the Jews are told, so they're not going to get destroyed, but they are ordered to destroy anyone plotting to kill them. So they have to take care of that. Um, and they are saved from being killed. Then everyone holds a banquet and feast and celebrates the counter decree. Yay. Mordecai is elevated to sit beside the king. Yay. Um, so the Jews destroy Haman's family and any other um, people against them. Yeah. Okay, so... Haman's humiliation, I just wrote this brief phrase. So they said, Haman's humiliation and Mordecai a exaltation. Okay, so the book is about trust and hope when things get really bad. Despite exile and moral compromise, God will work even through a hot mess. He uses the faithfulness of even morally compromised people to accomplish his purposes. The book of Esther asks us to trust God's providence even when we can't see it working and that no matter how bad things get, God is committed to redeeming his world. So awesome. That is so exciting to learn the book of Esther really good, you know, to kind of it was a little blurry for him like okay so esther saves the jews she's hiding that she's jewish like i kind of didn't know it but like the bible um project really broke it down really good so thank you bible project for that all right cool so now we're gonna read the book of esther Esther 1, I'm going to leave, or 
what? I'm going to read the New Living Translation. The King's Banquet. These events happened in the days of King Xerxes, who reigned over 127 provinces stretching from India to Ethiopia. At that time, Xerxes ruled his empire from his royal throne at the fortress of Susa. In the third year of his reign, he gave a banquet for all his nobles and officials. He invited all the military officers of Persia and media, as well as the princess and nobles of the provinces. The celebration lasted 180 days, a tremendous display of the opulent wealth of his empire and the pomp and splendor of his majesty. All right, so he's a big deal. When it was all over, the king gave a banquet for all the people, from the greatest to the least, who were in the fortress of Susa. It lasted for seven days and was held in the courtyard of the palace garden. The courtyard was beautifully decorated with white cotton curtains and blue hangings, which were fastened with white linen cords and purple ribbons to silver rings embedded in marble pillars. Gold and silver couches stood on a most sorry mosaic pavement of porf porf porphyry porphyry marble, mother of pearl, and other um, costly stones. Drinks were served in a gold in gold goblets of many designs, and there was an abundance of royal wine reflecting the king's generosity. By edict of the king, I think I said that word right, no limits were placed on the drinking, for the king had instructed all his palace officials to serve each man as much as he wanted. At the same time, Queen Vashti, which I think she's a narcissist, Queen Vashti gave a blank, or what? Queen, sorry, Queen Vashti gave a banquet for the women in the royal palace of King Xerxes. Yeah, so she's like, I'm going to do my own thing and I'm a narcissist. Queen Vashti deposed. Deposed, okay. On the seventh day of the feast, when King Xerxes was in high spirits because of the wine, he told the seven Enoch, Enochs, <clears throat> who attended him, Mahuman, Bizda, Harbona, Bigtha, Abagtha, Zithar, and Carcass, to bring Queen Vashti to him with the royal crown on her head. Wow, so how many days went by and Vashti wasn't there? He wanted the nobles and all the other men to gaze on her beauty, for she was a very beautiful woman. But when they conveyed the king's order to Queen Vashti, she refused to come. This made the king furious, and he burned with anger. He immediately consulted with his wise advisors, who knew all the Persian laws and customs, for he always asked their advice. The names of these men were Karshina, Shithar, Admetha, Tarshish, Merez, Marcina, and Mukhen. 
seven nobles of Persia and Media. They met with the king regularly and held the highest positions in the empire. What most, what, sorry, what must be done to Queen Vashti? The king demanded. What penalty does the law provide for a queen who refuses to obey the king's orders properly sent through his enochs? Mimukan answered the king and his nobles. Queen Vashti has wronged not only the king, but also every noble and citizen throughout your empire. Uh Uh-oh. Women everywhere will begin to despise their husbands when they learn that Queen Vashti has refused to appear before the king. Before this day is out, the wives of all king nobles throughout Persia and Media will hear what the queen did and will start treating their husbands the same way. There will be no end to their contempt and anger. So if it, is, so if it please the king, we suggest that you issue a written decree, a law of the Persians and Medes uh, that cannot be revoked. It should order the queen Vashti be forever banished from the presence of King Xerxes and that the king should choose another queen more worthy than she. When this decree is published throughout the king's vast empire, husbands everywhere, whatever their rank, will receive proper respect from their wives. The king and his nobles through this made um, good sense. So he followed Mimukan's council. He sent letters to all parts of the empire, to each province in its own script and language, proclaiming that every man should be the ruler of his own home and should say whatever he pleases. Esther becomes queen. But after Xerxes' anger had subsided, he began thinking about Vashti and what she had done and the decree he had made. So his personal attendant suggested Let us search the empire to find beautiful young virgins for the king. Let the king appoint agents in each province to bring these beautiful young women into the royal Haman harem at the fortress of Susa. Hegai, the king's Enoch, in charge of the harem, will see that they are all given beauty treatments. After that, the young women who most pleases the king will be made queen instead of Vashti. Vashti's probably like, I don't care. <laughs> Whatever. Um, This advice was very appealing to the king. So he put the plan into effect. So this is when the beauty pageant happens. At that time, there was a Jewish man in the fortress of Susa, whose name was Mordecai, son of Jair. He was from the tribe of Benjamin and was a descendant of Kish and Shimi. Shimai? Shimi? His family had been among those who, with King Jehoachin, sorry, (laughs) it's embarrassing, of Judah. Okay, wait, let me read that again. His family had been, had been, among those who, with King Jehoiachin of Judah, had been exiled from Jerusalem to Babylon by King Nebuchadnezzar, 
This man had a very beautiful and lovely young cousin, Hadusa, who was also called Esther. Hadassa, maybe it's Hadassa. Hmm. When her father and mother died, oh, Mordecai adopted her into his family and raised her as his own daughter. As a result of the king's decree, Esther, along with many other young women, was brought to the king's harem at the fortress of Susa and placed in Haggai's care. Haggai was very impressed with Esther and treated her kindly. He quickly ordered a special menu for her and provided her with beauty treatments. He also assigned her seven maids um, specially chosen from the king's palace. And he moved her and her maids into the best palace in Harem. Um, Esther. Sorry. Okay. Esther had not told anyone of her nationality and family background because Mordecai had directed her not to do so. That was a very good move. Every day, Mordecai would take a walk near the courtyard of the harem to find about, sorry, to find out about Esther and what was happening to her. Before each young woman was taken to the king's bed, to the bed, she was given the prescribed 12 months of beauty treatments. Whoa. Wow, this is like real deal. This is like a serious system. This king knows what's up. All right. Wait, where was I? Okay. So, yeah, so. All right. Okay. 12 months of beauty treatments. Six months with oil of mirth, myrrh, followed by six months with special perfumes and ointments. When it was time for her to go to the king's palace, she was given her choice of whatever clothing or jewelry she wanted to take from the harem. That evening, she was taken to the king's private rooms, and the next morning, she was brought to the second harem, where the king's wives, he had more than one, lived. See, maybe the New Living Translation twists things. No offense, I'm not saying that it does, but I'm like, wait a minute, that's not what the Bible Project said. Or they didn't specify that he had more than one wife. Oh, I guess he did. Okay. There, she would be under the care of Shashgaz, the king's Enoch, in charge of the concubines. She would never go to the king again unless he had especially enjoyed her and requested her by name. enjoyed her. Esther was the daughter of a Bilhail, who was Mordecai's uncle. Mordecai had adopted his younger cousin Esther. When it was Esther's turn to go to the king, she accepted the advice of Haggai, the Enoch in charge of the harem. She asked for nothing except what he suggested, and she was admired by everyone who saw her. Esther was taken to King Xerxes' at the royal palace in early winter of the seventh year of his reign. And the king loved Esther more than any of the other young women. He was so delighted with her 
that he set the royal crown on her head and declared her queen instead of Vashti. Man, I would have paid to see Vashti's face. To celebrate the occasion, he gave a great banquet in Esther's honor for all his nobles and officials, declaring a public holiday for the provinces and giving generous gifts to everyone. Even after all the young women had been trans transferred to the second harem and Mordecai had become a palace official, Esther continued to keep her family background and nationality a secret. She was still following Mordecai's directions, just as she did when she lived in his home. Mordecai's loyalty to the king. One day, as Mordecai was on duty at the king's gate, two of the king Enoch, king's Enoch's, Big Thana and Teresh, Teresh, who were guards at the door of the king's private quarters, became angry at the king, Xerxes, and plotted to assassinate him. But Mordecai heard about the plot and gave the information to Queen Esther. She then told the king about it and gave Mordecai credit for the report. When an investigation was made and Mordecai's story was found to be true, the two men were impaled on a sharpened pole. This was all recorded in the book of the history of King Xerxes' reign. Ooh, I want to read that book. Esther 3 Haman's Plot Against the Jews Sometime later, King Xerxes promoted Haman, Haman, son of Hemadatha, the Agagite, over all the other nobles, making him the most powerful official in the empire. All the king's officials would bow down before Haman to show him respect whenever he passed by. For so the king had commanded, but Mordecai refused to bow down or show him respect. Then the palace officials at the king's gates asked Mordecai, Why are you disobeying the king's command? They spoke to him day after day, but still he refused to comply with the order. So they spoke to Haman about this to see if he would tolerate Mordecai's conduct, since Mordecai had told them he was a Jew. Uh-oh. When Haman saw that Mordecai would not bow down or show him respect, he was filled with rage. He had learned of Mordecai's nationality, so he decided it was not enough to lay hands on Mordecai alone. Instead, so it sounds like he beat him up too. Instead, he looked for a way to destroy all the Jews throughout the entire empire of Xerxes. Um, so, in the month of April, during the 12th year of King Xerxes' reign, lot, lots were cast in Haman's presence. The lots were called Purim to determine the best day and month to take action. And the day selected was March 7th, nearly a year later. Then Haman approached King Xerxes and said, There is a certain race of people scattered through all the provinces of your empire who keep themselves separate from everyone else. Their laws are different from those of any other people, and they refuse to obey the laws of the king. So it is not in the king's interest to let them live. If it pleases the king, issue a decree that they be destroyed. And I will give 10,000 large sacks of silver to the government administrators to be deposited in the royal treasury. 
The king agreed, confirming his decision by removing his signet ring from his finger and giving it to Haman, son of the Hamedoth. Ha, 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 Hamadatha, the Agagite, the enemy of the Jews. The king said, The money and the people are both yours to do with as you see fit. So, on April 17th, the king's secretaries were summoned, and a decree was written exactly as Haman dictated. It was sent to the king's highest officers, the governors of the respective provinces, and the nobles of each province in their own scripts and languages. The decree was written in the name of the king Xerxes and sealed with the king's signet ring. Dispatches were sent by swift messengers into all the provinces of the empire, giving the order that all Jews, young and old, including women and children, must be killed, slaughtered, and annihilated on a single day. This was scheduled to happen on March 7th of the next year. The property of the Jews would be given to those who killed them. Yikes. A copy of this decree was to be issued as law in every province and proclaimed to all peoples so that they would be ready to do their duty on the appointed day. At the king's command, the decree went out by swift messengers and it was also proclaimed in the fortress of Susa. Then the king and Haman sat down to drink, but the city of Susa fell into confusion. Esther 4. Mordecai requests Esther's help. When Mordecai learned about all that had been done, he tore his clothes, put on burlap and ashes, and went out into the city, crying with a loud and bitter wail. He went as far as the gate of of the palace for no one was allowed to enter the palace gate while wearing clothes of mourning uh, and as news of the king's decree reached all the provinces there was great mourning among the jews yeah that'd be scary they fasted wept and wailed and many people lay in burlap and ashes when queen esther's maids and and eunuchs came and told her about mordecai she was deeply distressed she sent clothing to him to replace the burlap, but he refused it. Then Esther sent for Hathak, one of the king's Enochs, who had been appointed as her attendant. She ordered him to go to Mordecai and find out what was troubling him and why he was in mourning. So Hathak went out to Mordecai in the square in the front of the palace gate. Mordecai told him the whole story, including the exact amount of money Haman had promised to pay into the royal treasury for the destruction of the Jews. Mordecai gave Hathak uh, a copy of the decree issued in Susa that called for the death of all Jews. He asked Hathak um, to show it to Esther and explain the situation to her. He also asked Hathak to direct her to go to the king to beg for mercy and plead for her people. So Hathak returned to Esther with Mordecai's message. Then Esther told Hathak to go back and relay, relay this message to Mordecai. All the king's officials and even the people in provinces um, know that anyone who appears before the king in his inner court without being invited is doomed to die unless the king holds out his gold 
scepter. Whoa. And the king has not called for me to come to him for 30 days. So Hathak gave Esther's message to Mordecai. Mordecai sent this reply to Esther. Don't think for a moment that because you're in the palace, you will escape when all other Jews are killed. If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place. But you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for just such a time as this? Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Go and gather together all the Jews of Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, three days, nights, night or day. My maids and I will do the same. And then, though it is against the law, I will go in to see the king. Oh, wow. So she, she could have got like killed by her husband. If I must die, I must die. So Mordecai went away and did everything as Esther had ordered him. <laughs> Esther's request to the king. Ooh, it's getting juicy. Okay, here she goes. On the third day of the fast, Esther put on her royal robes and entered the inner courts of the palace. Wow, Esther, this is scary. Just across from the king's hall, the king was sitting on his royal throne facing the entrance. Okay. When he saw Queen Esther standing there in the inner court, he welcomed her and held out the gold scepter to her. Oh, that's good. So, so Esther approached and touched the end of the scepter. I wonder what that looks like. Then, then the king asked her, what do you want, Queen Esther? What is your request? I will give it to you, even if it is half the kingdom. <laughs> oh. And Esther replied, if it please the king, let the king and, and Haman come today to be bank to a banquet I have prepared for the king. The king turned to his attendants and said, tell Haman to come quickly to a banquet as Esther has requested. So the king and Haman went to Esther's banquet. Wow. She's, she's risky. She didn't even do it just can't, just alone with the king. She's like, no, we're going to make a party first. Wow. Okay. And while they were drinking wine, oh, I know why she did it. She she wants the it to ha she wants to reveal it at a party because they'll be drunk. I get it. Oh. And while they were drinking wine, the king said to Esther, "Now tell me what you really want. What is your request?" I will give it to you, even if it is half the kingdom. Esther replied, This is my request and deepest wish. If I have found favor with the king, and if it pleases the king to grant my request and do what I ask, please come with Haman tomorrow to the banquet. Oh, so she's like, okay, um, come to another banquet. <laughs> okay, so... Come, or wait, with Haman tomorrow to the banquet, I will prepare for you. Then I will explain what this is all about. Oh, so Haman is like, probably like, 
livid. Haman's plan to kill Mordecai. Yep. Haman was a happy man as he, oh, he was, no, he was happy. Haman was a happy man as he left the banquet. But when, when he saw Mordecai sitting at the palace gate, not standing up or trembling nervously before him, Haman became furious. However, he restrained himself and went on home. Then Haman gathered together his friends and Zeresh, his wife, well, that's a name, and boasted to them about his great wealth and his many children. He bragged about the honors the king had given him and how he had been promoted over all the other nobles and officials. Okay. Ooh, sorry. Where was I? Then Haman added, and that's not all. Queen Esther invited only me and the king himself to the banquet she prepared for us. And she has invited me to dine with her and the king again tomorrow. Then he added, but this is all worth nothing as long as I see Mordecai the Jew just sitting there at the palace gate. So Haman's wife, Zeresh, Zeresh, and all his friends suggested set up a sharpened pole that stands 75 feet tall and in the morning ask the king to impale Mordecai on it. When this is done, you can go on your, way, on your merry way to the banquet with the king. This pleased Haman and he ordered the pole set up. Yikes. Esther 6. The king honors Mordecai. That night, the king had trouble sleeping. So he ordered an attendant to bring the book of the history of his reign so it could be read to him. In those records, he discovered an account of how Mordecai had exposed the plot of Bigthana and Teresh, two of the Enochs who guarded the door to the king's private quarters. They had plotted to assassinate King Xerxes. What reward or recognition did we ever give Mordecai for this? The king asked. His attendants replied, nothing has been done for him. Who is that in the outer court? The king inquired. As it happened, Haman had just arrived in the outer court of the palace to ask the king to impale Mordecai on the, on the pole he had prepared. So the attendants replied to the king, Haman is out in the court. Bring him in, the king ordered. So Haman came in and the king said, what should I do to honor a man who truly pleases me? Haman thought to himself, whom would the king wish to honor more than me? So he replied, if the king wishes to honor someone, he should bring out one of the king's own royal robes, as well as a horse that the king himself has ridden, one with a royal emblem, emblem on its head. Let the robes and the horse be handed over Um, sorry, um, 
hand it over to one of the king's most noble officials and let him see that the man whom the king wishes to honor is dressed in the king's robes and led through the city square on the king's horse have the officials shout as they go this is what the king does for someone he wishes to honor excellent the king said to haman quick take the robes and my horse and do just as you have said for mordecai the jew who sits at the gate of the palace leave out nothing you have suggested so haman took the robes and put them on mordecai placed him on the king's own horse and led him through the city square shouting this is what the king does for someone he wishes to honor after mordecai returned to the palace gate but haman hurried home dejected and completely humiliated when haman told his wife zeresh and all his friends what had happened his wise advisers and his wife said since mordecai this man who has humiliated you is of jewish birth you will never succeed in your plans against him it will be fatal to continue opposing him while they were still talking the king's enochs arrived and quickly took haman to the banquet esther had prepared esther seven all right the king executes haman so the king and Haman went to Queen Esther's banquet on the second occasion while they were drinking wine. The king again said to Esther, tell me what you want, Queen Esther. What is your request? I will give it to you, even if it is half the kingdom. Queen Esther replied, if I have found favor with the king and if it pleases the king to grant my request, I ask that my life and the lives of my people will be spared. For my people and I have been sold to those who would kill, slaughter, and annihilate us. If we, have, if we had merely been sold as slaves, I could remain quiet. For that would be too trivial. Wait. Yeah. A matter to warrant disturbing the king. Who would do such a thing? King Xerxes demanded. Who would be so presumptuous as to touch you? Esther replied, This wicked Haman is our adversary and our enemy. Haman grew pale with fright before the king and queen. Then the king jumped to his feet in a rage and went out into the palace garden. Haman, however, stayed behind to plead for his life with Queen Esther, for he knew that the king intended to kill him. In, in despair, he fell on the couch where Queen Esther was reconciling just as the king was returning from the palace garden. The king exclaimed, Will he even assault the queen right here in the palace before my very eyes? And as soon as the king spoke, his attendants covered Haman's face, signaling his doom. Then, Haman, or wait, then Harbona, one of the king's Enoch, said, Haman has set up a sharpened pole that stands 70 feet tall in his own courtyard he intended to use it to impale mordecai the man who saved the king from assassination then impale haman on it the king ordered so they impaled haman on the pole he had set up for mordecai and the king's anger decided esther 8 a decree to help the jews on that same day, King Xerxes gave the property of Haman, the enemy of the Jews, to Queen Esther. Then Mordecai was brought before the king, for Esther had told the king how they, had, how they were related.
The king took off his signet ring, which he had taken back from Haman and gave it to Mordecai, and Esther appointed Mordecai to be the charge of Haman's property. Then Esther went again before the king, falling down at his feet and begging him with tears to stop the evil plot devised by Haman, the Agagite, against the Jews. Again the king held out the gold scepter to Esther. Ooh. So she rose and stood before him. Esther said, If it please the king, and if it have found favor and if I have found favor with him, and if he thinks it is right, and if I am pleased pleasing to him, let there be a decree that reverses the orders of Haman son of the Ham Hamadatha the Agagite who ordered that Jews throughout all the king's provinces should be destroyed. For how can I endure to see my people and my family slaughtered and destroyed? Then King Xerxes said to Queen Esther and Mordecai the Jew, I have given Esther the property of Haman, and he has been impaled on a pole because he tried to destroy the Jews. Now go ahead and send a message to the Jews in the king's name, telling them whatever they want, and seal it, whatever you want, and seal it with the king's signet ring. But remember that whatever has already been written in the king's name and sealed with the signet ring can never be revoked. So on June 25th, the king's secretaries were summoned, and a decree was written exactly as Mordecai dictated. It was sent to the Jews and to the highest officers, the governors, and the nobles of the 127 provinces stretched from India to Ethiopia. The decree was written in the scripts and languages of all the peoples of the empire including that of the jews the decree was written in the name of the king exerces and sealed with the king's signet ring mordecai sent the dispatches by swift messengers who rode fast horses especially bred for the king's services service excuse me the king's decree gave the jews in every city authority to unite to defend their lives they were allowed to kill slaughter and annihilate and annihilate Annihilate, duh, anyone, sorry, of any nationality or province who might attack them or their children and wives and to take the property of their enemies. The day chosen for this event throughout all the provinces of King Xerxes was March 7th of the next year. A copy of this decree was to be issued as a law in every province and proclaimed to all the peoples so that the Jews would be ready to take revenge on their enemies on the appointed day so urged on by the king's command the messengers rode out swiftly on fast horses bred for the king's service the same decree was also proclaimed in the fortress of susa then mordecai left the king's provinces urged wait what then mordecai left the king's presence wearing the royal robe of blue and white the great crown of gold and the outer cloak of fine linen and purple. And the people of Susa celebrated the new decree. The Jews were filled with joy and gladness and were honored everywhere. In every province and city, wherever the king's decree arrived, the Jews rejoiced and had a great celebration and declared a public festival and holiday. And many of the people of the land became Jews themselves for they feared what the Jews might do to them. Whoa, total turnaround right there. Esther 9, the victory of the Jews. So on March 7th, the two decrees of...
the king were put into effect. On that day, the enemies of the Jews had hoped to overpower them, but quite the opposite happened. It was the Jews who overpowered the enemies. The Jews gathered in their cities throughout all the king's provinces to attack everyone who tried to harm them. But no one could make a stand against them, for everyone was afraid of them. And all the nobles of the provinces, the highest officers, the governors, and the royal officials helped the Jews for fear of Mordecai. For Mordecai had been promoted in the king's palace, and his fame spread throughout all the provinces as he became more and more powerful. So the Jews went ahead on an appointed day and struck down their enemies with the sword. They killed and annihilated their enemies and did as they pleased with those who hated them. In the fortress of Susa itself, the Jews killed 500 men. They also killed Parshadetha, Dalphon, As, or As, I don't know how to say it, Aspetha, ooh, that's a hard one, Poretha, Adelia, Aridetha, Parmeshta, Arishai, Aridai, and Vizetha, the ten sons of Haman's son of Hamadetha, the enemy of the Jews. But they did not take any plunder. That very day, when the king was informed of the number of people killed in the fortress of Susa, he called for Queen Esther. He said, the Jews have killed 500 men in the fortress of Susa alone as well as Haman's ten sons. If they have done that here, what has happened in the rest of the provinces? But now what more do you want? It will be granted to you. Oh, I wasn't expecting that. Tell me and I will do it. Oh, snap. Esther responded. If it please the king, give the Jews in Susa permission to do again tomorrow as they have done today and let the bodies of Haman's ten sons be impaled on a pole. Wow, it's going down. So the king agreed and the decree was announced in Susa and they impaled the bodies of Haman's ten sons. Then the Jews at Susa gathered together on March 8th and killed 300 more men. And again, they took no plunder. Meanwhile, the other Jews throughout the king's provinces had gathered together to defend their lives. They gained relief from all their enemies, killing 75,000 of those who hated them. But they did not take any plunder. This was done throughout the provinces on March 7th and on March 8th they rested. Celebrating their victory with a day of fast er, feasting and gladness, the Jews at Susa killed their enemies on March 7th and again on March 8th, then rested on March 9th, making that their day of feasting and gladness. So to this day, rural Jews living in remote villages celebrate an annual festival and holiday on the appointed day in late winter when they rejoice and send gifts of food to each other. Oh, the festival of Purim. Mordecai recorded these events and sent letters to the Jews near and far throughout all the provinces of King Xerxes, calling on them to celebrate an annual festival on these two days. He told them to celebrate these days with feasting and gladness and by giving gifts of food and each other and presents to the poor. 
This would commemorate a time when the Jews gained relief from their enemies, when their sorrow was turned into gladness and their mourning into joy. Yay! So the Jews accepted Mordecai's proposal and adopted this annual custom. Haman, son of Hamidatha, the Agagite, the enemy of the Jews, had plotted to crush and destroy them on the date determined by casting lots. The lots were called Purim. But when Esther came before the king, he issued a decree causing Haman's evil plot to backfire. And Haman and his sons were impaled on a sharpened pole. That is why this celebration is called Purim, because it is the ancient word for casting lots. Wow. So because of Mordecai's letter and because of what they had experienced, the Jews throughout the realm agreed to inaugurate this tradition and to pass it on to their descendants and to all who become Jews. They declared they would never fail to celebrate these two prescribed days at the appointed time each year. These days would be remained, rem, sorry, would be remembered and kept from generation to generation and celebrated by every family throughout the provinces and cities of the empire. This festival of Purim would never cease to be celebrated among the Jews, nor would the memory of what happened ever die out among their descendants. Then Queen Esther, the daughter of Abihail, along with Mordecai the Jew, wrote another letter putting the queen's full authority behind Mordecai's letter to establish the festival of Purim. Letters wishing peace and security were sent to the Jews throughout the 127 provinces of the Empire of Xerxes. These letters established the Festival of Purim, an annual celebration of these days at the appointed time, decreed by both Mordecai the Jew and Queen Esther. The people decided to observe this festival just as they had decided for themselves and their descendants to establish the times of fasting and mourning. So the command of Esther confirmed the practices of Purim and it was all written down in the records. Esther 10 the greatness of Xerxes and Mordecai. King Xerxes, Xerxes, Xerxes imposed a tribute throughout his empire, even to the distant coastlands. His great achievements and the full account of the greatness of Mordecai, whom the king had promoted and recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Media and Persia. Mordecai, the Jew, became the prime minister with authority next to that of King Xerxes himself. He was very greatly, he was very great among the Jews who held him in high esteem because he continued to work for the good of his people and to speak up for the welfare of all their descendants. All right, so that is the book of Esther. What a beautiful book. You know what, um, what's crazy is, never mind. Okay, so... Um, that was a great book, and I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, it's kind of crazy. Actually, I'll tell you. Whatever. Um, so, my grandma Esther, she kept secret. I'll just say she kept a secret. Just like Esther! 
But it's like, I don't know why she kept it a secret, you know? But anyway, she was Jewish, but like, I don't, I think she had to keep it a secret because, yeah. But she like kept it a secret. It's weird. But like, I think she had to. It's not weird, but like, she had to. So, for all you Esters out there, um, don't give up hope for your future. God will make a way for you. God will make a way for the Esters out there. And, um, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed this amazing Bible book. I hope you guys take care and keep smiling, keep smiling, keep fighting. If you're in a dark period, a dark season, as we call it, um, I've been there, <laughs> haven't we all, but I've been there, you know, and no matter how hard you try, the darkness is it almost feels like it takes over everything, you know? And um, no matter how bright your light is, you know, um, the people can, and the spirits inside of them, you know, can, um, woof, can make things, hard you know but the good news is you can always have hope that you're if you are in a dark season in your life it um it, it doesn't it doesn't last you know i mean maybe if you um i mean it depends on your situation but for me, I got out of a dark season because I followed God's um, instruction and guidance. And that's what I did. Um, and so when I did that, um, I, well, I, I got out of darkness. I got out of um, a place that was multiple times to be honest but you know I got out of that dark place um and so yeah so many times I felt like wow there this is am I always gonna be like stuck like this no no you're not you're not gonna always be stuck but I would suggest to um be listening to the bible app reading the bible um, because it doesn't matter, even if you don't even enjoy it, just press play. There is something that happens when the Bible is playing. There is, it literally will transform your life. It will protect you. It will change your life. It will make you realize that, um, there's, it will just, it'll guide you through your dark season if if you're in a dark season you know everyone goes through their seasons but it will it will carry you it will carry you it's not you know it sounds a little cheesy but it will it will 
um, you know, what I've learned is through the Bible is wickedness is all around us, you know, and we have to, um, stay in prayer. We have to, um, we have to be aware of the wickedness around us. You know, we have to be aware of what Satan is doing in our lives. And before, okay, so let's say you're in a dark period or whatever. Um, if you're striving towards, you know, better or whatever, um, you have to be aware of how Satan is going to hold you down. Satan is going to send thoughts your way. No faith, hopeless. You're never going to, you know, get out of your darkness or whatever is going on in your life. You know, you have, and he'll also send people to try and mess with you. He will send situations. He will send temp, he will tempt you. He will do anything to keep you from getting to where God wants you to go. So if you're just kind of aware of that, um, so there's wickedness everywhere, you know, but, and I'm not saying to be in that mindset, but like the Bible says, like, you know, um, you know, we aren't of this world, you know, like Satan is the ruler. What's crazy is the devil is the ruler of this world. Okay. In a way, I don't know the Bible verse. I should probably look it up before I say that. But it, it's something where it's like, um, it literally, I didn't realize when I started to learn the Bible that literally Satan is like controlling everything and everyone. So like, it's it's like Satan's in control of like the movies, the media, pretty much everything around us, okay? So you just have to look at people and be like, wow, a lot of people are walking around and guess who they're following guess who guess guess who they're following the devil you know and i mean i used to do that too i mean i still have things i need to work on but you just everything becomes so clear and you're like wow like these evil spirits are telling people to go to the liquor store to be mean to people to do this to do witchcraft to do crazy things when i look at people i don't look at people i see I literally see evil spirits working in them and it's like sad. It's sad, you know, but anyways, there's hope and you just have to be aware of how crazy the devil is running around. He is literally running around waiting 24 hours a day, 24 hours a day, him and his little friends to mess with you, you know? And so also I'll, I'm done. I'm almost done with my rant. Also, you want to pray. You're going to want to pray, okay? You're going to want to have faith. Um, You don't please God unless you have faith. And I'm sure you guys already know this stuff. But, like, you want to, you're going to want to pray, like, um, about whatever's going on in your life, you know? Um, You're going to want to pray because it's literally insane how much wickedness in the spiritual realm that is over us that we don't see. Um, And so, like, if you are praying... Um, that's, um, really good. God needs your prayers in order for him to like move. If you, if you're like, oh, you know, oh, I hope for this or I want this. You got to pray. God needs your prayers. Um, 
Um, and so if you're praying, um, um, the, and, um, the devil sees it, um, I've talked about this before. Um, what'll happen is if you start praying or if you're just like a child of God, the devil sees it. So Satan will see your light and will see the angels around you and will see that glory is on you, that good things are coming for your life. The devil will start attacking you. So when you have attacks from people, if people are abusing you, attacking you, if you have attacks in your life, at your job, um, relationships, whatever, um, most of the time, I'm not saying always, but, um, um, don't, don't be sad when things aren't going your way. Don't be sad when, when it looks like everything's terrible. Um, you should get excited. You should be excited when there's attacks because it's Satan's trying to fight you. Satan's trying to fight your next level. So it's, it's good. So like, if people are like, all of a sudden you're like, why is that person like being like that? It's good. If you're, if you're striving for better and if you're praying, if, if you start getting more attacks, like more than usual, and if they come out of nowhere too, um, yeah, it's really good. Um, actually it seems like it's not, but in some cases it's actually good because it shows that your prayers, it's hitting the spirit realm. Your prayers are working yeah okay so i don't know it's just something to like keep in mind you know um and so one other thing i've learned um sacrifice god when you sacrifice for god when you do when you're um doing things to sacrifice for the lord um he sees that and he appreciates it so um there's a lot of power in sacrifice you know kind of like jesus too you know like so there's power in Jesus' blood, sacrifice, and, um, yeah, just do that, um, and, you know, don't give up hope, and wait on God, wait on God, you know, follow his instructions, and wait on God, you know, we, you know, we want popcorn ready, everything, you know, let's go, um, but God has a timing for things, you know, and, um, yeah, so you just have to um, stay strong and have hope for your life and don't give up the faith. The devil is literally going to destroy your mind. When you're in a dark place, the devil is going to say, you're crazy. There's no hope. Why would you think that? He's literally, he does it all day. He does it all day. You know, he does it all day, all day. He's in our minds. He's trying to, you know, and so you also, okay, one other thing I'll say is like, you have to, um, I sound like my dad, so bossy. Okay, so you have to, um, like, oh, so, it, okay, this is super, super obvious, but like what you, what you fear will happen. God will be like, okay, you fear that? Okay, there you go. You know, so if you're worrying and you're manifesting like, uh, and you're like saying, oh, everything's going to fail or whatever you're praying about is going to fail, it's going to fail. Like it could fail. God's going to be like, okay, that's where you're at. And that's where you're at. No, you have to command things. You have to demand it. You have to put your foot down and you have to, you know, be like serious, you know, you have to be like, you know. You can't just be like, oh, please, God, please, God. No, no, 
<laughs> and with people too. So anyways, that's my that's my little like advice for all you Christian Jesus lovers out there. You probably already knew everything I just said. Um but anyways, I hope you guys enjoyed the book of Esther. You guys are awesome and don't let people get you down. Don't let people get you down. Life will get better. Life will get better. Especially if you have toxic people around you. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Just keep shining. Just keep just keep shining. Because you're the bright... This is cheesy stuff, right? The bright light. When it hits darkness, it literally just... Is the word dissipate? Dissipates the darkness? Literally, like, light. It just, like, when, when it's around darkness, it's just, like, it just, like, you know, when you put a light bulb in a, in, a, in a dark room, you turn that light on, you can see everything. You just have to keep fighting. Don't give up on your life. Don't give up on your life. And be thankful for every little thing. And don't idolize anything before God if you're obsessing about something you shouldn't because you should obsess about God yeah and um that's all I just snapped my fingers uh 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 <laughs> all right so I'll be single Oh, I'm not supposed to. See, I'm doing it. I'm like, I'll be single forever. No one will ever, ever date me. Hmm. Actually, I guess I shouldn't talk like that. My bad. See, I do it. I do it all the time. Whoops. Okay, so anyways. um, Have a good day. Have a good night. A new home for a while, let me feel alive Nothing to hold me back, take my time, just enjoy the ride A new man passing by, life is good, best I've ever felt Get me up, so new, somewhere I can find myself I feel, I feel, I feel, I feel so alive As I reach out, reach out, reach out, reach out to the sky I found my way, I found my way I was in the dark against it all But made it through the day Cause I found my way, I found my way Times, I know I'll be okay Cause I find my way
my way I was in the dark against it all But made it through the day Cause I found my way I found my way In bad times I know I'll be okay Cause I found my way I found my way 